0: Apparently not. No, It's, it's pretty crazy. I, thanks for the mandatory applause. I appreciate that. Everyone's like, okay, we'll do that. Um, you know, I always envisioned, like, our 10-year anniversary to be, like, this huge party, and it's not. You know? <laughs> Cake and food and gather everybody in the room. And, of course, as, as Andrew said in the welcome, we can't really have, like, a big celebration party. I, we could do, like, a Zoom Birthday party, wouldn't that be fun? could throw some little confetti on the screen. No takers? All right, no takers. Anyway, it is, it is amazing to, uh, to celebrate 10 years. And, and this morning, I wanted to um, continue. We're in week two of a message series that we're calling Table Talk. And it's going to appear on my screen this week. Everything's going to work like flawless. For those of you here last week, new technology, figuring it out. Uh, we're having this conversation called Table Talk. And for three weeks, what I wanted to do as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary is I wanted to revisit the mission, vision, and values that we began to talk about as we launched the church. And so we're revisiting ideas that have really carried us for 10 years. And there's sort of a couple main reasons why I think it's so important for us to come back to this family conversation of what is Pathway? Why does it exist? Uh, and, and the reason why we come back to this conversation is is for two reasons. Because over 10 years, a lot of people have joined. As you saw during the welcome, just with a small sample size in the room, many people have joined our community the pathway community, over 10 years. And what began with a small handful of families has grown now to be many, many hundreds of people. And over that time, people have joined, but they don't always know what we're about. They don't always know the why behind the what of what we do. So at our 10-year anniversary, it makes sense to kind of revisit and go back to the beginning. The other reason why I think it's important for us to have this conversation, this table talk conversation, is because so much has been changing. I don't know if you've noticed this. In the last 10 years, a lot has changed. In the last six months, a lot has changed. And as we look at the future, in light of, I don't know if anyone noticed, we're in a pandemic, but in light of all of these things that are going on, uh, we have to adapt and change what we do and how we do it. But the why never changes. And so I wanted to come back to that. And so here's what we said, the mission clarifies the why behind the what. You can see Pathway Church, you see what we do, but the why behind it is our mission. It is the mission statement of our church. So here's the mission statement that I shared with you last week. Our mission statement is to reach people who are far from God and see them, I put that in brackets because I, I suggested last week changing that word. It's very passive, just, oh yeah, I see you doing that, you know. So see them become devoted followers of Jesus. And I said last week, maybe we should change it to say to reach people far from God and to... Help them become devoted followers of Jesus. That's an active verb. It's like we're going to help people. As you and I seek to follow Jesus, we want to invite other people into that process and into that journey with us. So here's what we could do. We could take our mission statement and we could literally split it right down the middle okay, into two halves. And if we split it up, we're going to have on the one half reaching people far from God. We talked a lot about that last Sunday. The other half is helping them become devoted followers of Jesus. And these two halves could be summarized with these two words at the top. Now, if you grew up in church, you know what these words mean, evangelism, discipleship. If you're new to church, if you're new to faith, if you're checking things out, you're like, evangelism? Like, nobody uses those words anymore outside of the church circles. So let me quickly explain what these two words mean, and then we're going to talk about what living out this mission looks like for us as a community. So, first thing is evangelism. Evangelism, this weird word, actually comes from a Latin word, evangelion. Aren't you glad you came to church? Now you know a Latin word, evangelion. And it literally means good news. And what happened when Jesus came, he came to bring good news. And when he sent out his disciples, he sent them out with good news. You say, well, what is this good news that we're supposed to be carrying? What is this good news? Well, we talked about this last week. So let me just recap for those who weren't here with us. Every one of us has a morality meter, okay? Okay. A morality meter. So basically we have a very, very good saintly type person at the top, all the way down to axe murder at the bottom. And every single one of us within ourselves, we kind of want to draw a line somewhere and go, these are good people, bad people, right? Saved, lost, Christian, non-Christian, all those kinds of things. So we always want to try and draw a line. Every religion in the world does the same thing. Draws a line somewhere. Good, bad, in, out. And what we found out last week is that what Jesus came to do, is he actually raises the line, okay, all the way up here where no person could ever meet because the standard is perfection. That's God's standard. And so since every one of us is below that line, we're all lost. And you're probably wondering, I thought this was about good news. (laughs) Why, Why are you showing us this big thing that says lost in yellow? Well, in order for us to understand the good news, we have to understand the bad news first. And the bad news is simply this, that all of us fall short. And when we recognize that, that all of us start hopeless without Christ. All of us start with, without the ability to make ourselves right with God, to have eternal life. That's the bad news. But the good news is that all are invited. And this is what we learned last week from the parable of the wedding feast. Jesus has come to make a way for everyone and to invite everyone who will come to his father's table. He's inviting everyone listening to me today to come into his family to sit at His table, to be in relationship with Him. And it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you've been, it doesn't matter what your background is, the bad things you've done, or the good things. All are invited. This, my friends, is good news. Because while all of us have fallen short, all of us have been invited into a relationship with God. So let's go back to our mission statement. We have these two categories. Evangelism is the act of sharing that good news, that message. Can you imagine that there are people that you work with, people that you go to school with, family members who have never really understood the good news that God has invited them into a relationship with Him and paid the way? The other aspect of our mission statement is this word discipleship. So let's talk about where this word discipleship comes from. It actually comes from a Greek word, okay? Now you know a Latin word, evangelion. Now you can learn a Greek word, mathetes. And notice the word math is in there, okay? Because a mathetes is a learner, is a student, Okay, and so we are actually invited not only to put our trust in Jesus and to follow him But we're invited into this process of discipleship where we become learners and students of Jesus So the goal isn't just to get a whole bunch of people to say a prayer I knew this this couple and they used to go around and they would meet people on the street And they would say did you know there are only two kinds of people in the world? And of course everyone would be like really no, I didn't know that and they would say yeah Those who are saved and those who are about to be which are you? People are like, I guess I'm about to be, and they're like, pray this prayer, and like, you're good, you're now a Christian, you're in the kingdom of God, and that's fun and great, but we're actually invited into a process of discipleship to become a student of Jesus. And guess what? For the rest of our lives, we take steps in that direction. I I think it's pretty safe to say that every single person in this room was born as a baby. Is that fair? And when you came into the world, when I came into the world, we came into this world undeveloped. So, we had all the potential little boy, little girl, little person with features, all the genetics, everything that you needed to become a fully mature adult was there, but it was undeveloped. There was development required, correct? And over the years, you learned to stand, you learned to walk, you learned to run, you learned to ride a bike, you learned to ride a car, drive a car. Some of you did. (laughs) I've seen some of you drive. You're still learning. All right, And so we, we develop, we, we progress in our physical development. And this is true of everyone, and we know this. right? A, a little child it has so much potential, but it's undeveloped. And so in the same way, here's what Jesus said. He was talking to a religious leader in John 3, verse 3, and this is powerful. He says this, Jesus answers him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one, unless a person is born again, see those words, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus is talking to a religious leader, and he says, you, you get how this works. In order to live in this world, you have to be born physically, right? And, 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 and everyone came into the world, and then they began the process of development after they were born. And they had no control of their birth. And he says, in the same way, in order for someone to be in God's family, they must be born by the Spirit. God must birth them into his family. And there's something that happens on the inside of us. There's something that God does for us. And we enter into his family. So there's two things. Number one, you don't control what family you're born into. Correct? So God brings us into his family. Here's the second thing. That once we become a follower of Jesus, once we become a person who has faith in Jesus, guess what happens? We enter into God's family, into the kingdom of God as spiritual babies. And you can be 50 years old and be a spiritual baby. You can be 10 years old and be a spiritual you know, adolescent. You, you don't know where people are at spiritually unless you watch their lives and then you kind of see some of the fruit of their life. But we begin the journey as a baby. And just like you physically had to develop and grow, there was development required, spiritually when you begin this journey of faith, discipleship, following Jesus, there is a journey. That's why uh, we call the church Pathway Church. We've got a little logo here. All right, Pathway Church is, the name of our church really encompasses the idea that we believe that God invites us to be disciples and to follow him, to be learners of him, to begin that process of development, okay? If you're watching online, if you're sitting here with somebody in the room, just turn to them and say, "Uh, there's a lot of potential in you. Just go ahead and tell them that. But there's still some development required. Try to say that with a straight face, because you know it's true. Right, So we're growing, we're growing, we're growing. And the goal for us as a church isn't just to tell people about Jesus. That's half of our goal. The other half is to help them become devoted followers of Jesus. To go, hey, I'm walking after Jesus, becoming like him, growing in character, growing in love, and I'm inviting you to come with me. That's our goal as a church, to do both of those things hand in hand. So today what I wanted to do is I wanted to share with you um, three things. Three things that we hope for every single person three things that we hope for every single person if you were to go to our website you would see our mission statement right below you'd see three words and they're probably meaningless to you if you see them and these three words are gather connect and engage i think we got a little triangle here to show you three words gather connect and engage they're coming can you go to the next slide henry there we go. Gather, connect, and engage. These are the three words that we find just below our mission statement on our website. Now, you might see those and go, okay, those are those are cool words. We could have chosen any words. Today I want to explain to you what they mean. And I want to, I want to help you to understand what we hope for every person that calls Pathway Church home, that attends Pathway Church. We want you to connect, gather, connect, and engage. So, so what does that mean? Well, first thing I could say is that this, this really sort of relates to three buckets or three... Um, dimensions in which we grow in our faith the first would be large group which would be attending services programs those types of things the second would be small group where you do life with other people and you engage relationally and you have brothers and sisters in the faith that are encouraging you correcting you and then the last one is engagement which is about your individual growth and, and we believe at Pathway Church that you really have to be at work in all three of these categories now there's a couple interesting things about my diagram one, it starts and kind of goes this way. This is the most typical path that I have seen. Many people in this room who have a faith already usually heard a sermon, came to church, went to a youth group, went to a conference, heard of somebody on TV, and they trusted in Christ, and then they got to know some Christians, got involved in some sort of group, and then eventually their, their faith became their own and they began to develop discipline. So most people move in that direction. Maybe your story is different. That's cool. But this is the general path. The other thing is you'll notice that this is the smallest bucket, medium size, and largest bucket. I believe that as we engage in these three areas of large group, small group, and individual faith development, that, that this is the one we need the least of, or at least the least time, right? So you might come to church for an hour. You might spend two or three hours with small group in relationship. And the largest portion of our time and effort goes into the individual development of our faith. And here's the thing about this. We need everyone, we need all three of these aspects in our faith development. It's like a three-legged stool, okay? You, you've seen a three-legged stool. Each of these aspects of our development is actually a leg on the stool. And it would be easy for some people to say, well, you know what? All I need to do is go to church every Sunday. If I show up at church on Sunday, I'm good with God, God's good with me, I'll continue to grow. Probably not. It's like a one-legged stool, It's ready to tip at any time. Other people say, no, if I just have the right people, if I just have friends and and brothers and sisters surrounding me in community, then I'm good. Or others say, if I just sit at home with my Bible and study and pursue my personal relationship with Jesus, I'm good. And I would make the argument today that we need all three of these aspects in our lives. And we're actively growing in each of these three ways. So, large group, that's showing up. Small group, that's circling up with people. And then lastly, this idea of engagement, which would be, Stepping up and, and beginning to do your part in your faith. And so uh, I want to turn to a text in Hebrews chapter 10. And in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, we find uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews is writing to Christians who are struggling. They're, they're under persecution. They're wrestling with their faith. They, they, they're, they're, they're trying to progress in that journey we're talking about of discipleship. And here's what he says. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He says, let's not, let's not lose heart and let's not let go of our faith. Did you know that as you walk through this life, there will be many forces at work to try to steal your faith, to shake your faith, to get you to abandon your faith. And he's saying, listen, for every person, you need to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises is faithful. God is faithful. See, this is, this, is, this is something that no one can do for you. This is something you must do for you to hold fast to your faith. Your faith, is, your faith is first and foremost personal. Did you know that? Like you can come to church, but whether you have a faith in God or not, I don't know. That's up to you. I, I can't control whether my kids have a faith with God, my spouse. I certainly can't control whether you guys have a personal faith in God. I can I can teach you about it. I can invite you to join me in pursuing it. But in the end, it's a decision that each of us has to make to hold fast to the confession of our faith. Here's what he says next. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So he moves from the personal, hey, hold fast to your faith to say, hey, you're going to need some people. Right? You're going to have to stir up one another. Now you know when you stir something up, That can be a positive or a negative. Sometimes we need someone to come alongside us and be like, hey, come on, you can do it. You're doing great. Just keep going. Don't lose heart. And sometimes we need someone to come up and just whack, slap us in the face and be like, you fool. Stop that. Smarten up. And both of those are a form of stirring up. What kind do you need today? I don't know but we're to stir one another up. So we need people in our lives. Like if you try to do the Christian life alone, you will fail. We need people to stir us up and we need to be actively stirring up others. Here's what he says. So that's the small group. Let's go to the third, uh, the next passage. Here's what he says. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. He says, don't stop gathering. Don't stop gathering. Hold fast to your personal faith. Do life in relationship with others. Challenging, correcting, encouraging one another. And don't stop gathering. Don't stop meeting. And so throughout history, we've literally seen um, each of these three buckets. If you go back to the Old Testament, you see the Jewish nation gathering at the temple for sacrifices, ceremonies, and festivals. And then they would gather in their community in a local synagogue with families in community. And then they would have a personal faith within their home. And they would put the scriptures on the door. And they would recite prayers. And so there were all three aspects all the way through history, and that continues for you and I, that we need each of them. Now, uh, if that wasn't enough, (laughs) here's where the mad scientist pastor comes out. Okay, let's go back to our diagram, and we can literally split this diagram right down the middle as well. This is fun. And I've divided the top half into head and the bottom half into heart. And what I'm talking about when when I'm talking about this is like, when, when I think of head, I think logic, truth, systems, rules... And when I think heart, I think passion, compassion, care for others, worship, adoration, okay? And guess what? We need both of those as well. You know what I'm talking about? We need both. How many of you in the room, you show hands if you're comfortable, you say like, I think I would lean more towards the head, the logical, got yeah, get some math people, some logic people, okay? And, and how many of you would say, you know, I'm, I'm more of a heart person, I'm a feeler. Okay, got a bunch of hands going up. So that means the rest of you would say you're perfectly balanced between the two like Jesus. Is that safe to, yeah. Um, But essentially we want to be a church that as we progress in our growth through these three aspects, we want to make sure that we fully embrace head and heart. I've been to churches, uh, growing up attended a lot of churches, and I've been in churches where it's all head, theology, Bible, rules, regulations, systems, structure, groups, processes. And people go and, and there's no heart. You know what I'm talking about? And it's like everything's like good and pure doctrine and great Bible teaching, but there's no real, like worship starts and we're just like. And then I've been to other churches where it's all heart. It's like, oh, we love you, Jesus. Tears coming down their face, dancing, singing, hugging, giving each other money, supporting everybody, and they never open the Bible. And we need both, (laughs) right? Good theology should lead to passion for God and for the lost. And so we want, to, we want to embrace both. So that's enough to, to say about that. So let's talk about gather first, okay? When we talk about gather, again, this is the smallest time portion, but it's still significant. When we gather, two of the primary reasons why we gather is for teaching. So we open up the Scriptures and say, what is God saying? And for worship. And so you have an aspect of head and heart whenever we gather. And of course, we can pray and, and hang out and all that stuff. But those are the really two primary drivers of a Sunday morning gathering where we have hundreds of people come through a building like this. And honestly, I think gathering is extremely important. I think depending on your background, some people come from a background where the gathering was the most important thing. It's like if you showed up every week and you were faithful, then you were good. But that's not what I'm saying to you. But gathering is still important. There is something so powerful about a large number of people gathering in unity together. Did you know this? People have said to me over the past um, six months, they said, hey, do you think with coronavirus... That when this whole thing is over, we're ever going to go back to the way things were. And of course, I believe that things will change. Inevitably, they will change as we go through this season. But to think that people will stop gathering in large groups is ridiculous. For thousands of years, people have done this. People turn up by the tens of thousands for sporting events. And there's something almost religious about being in a room with 10,000 people cheering your team on. Oh, you know, it's funny, eh? in church, it's hard to get people to raise their hands and worship, but when you get to a sporting event, it's like, yes, everyone's hands go off. It's so passionate, right? It's, it's mostly passion, all heart, no head, you know what I'm saying? Except for the guy in the corner with the stat sheet. He's, he's all by himself. Anyway, so, so it's, it's, it, we, we show up. People spend hundreds of dollars a ticket to go to a concert. Why? They can listen to it in their AirPods, right? And it sounds better, but they want to be in a room with people united. There's something powerful about thousands of people marching for Black Lives Matter, and they're holding hands. And whether you agree with the movement or not, they're in unity. It's like a whole bunch of people going, we're in this together. We're standing for something together. It's powerful. God created us together. He created us for that. I remember when I was 13 years old, I went to Washington, D.C. for a youth conference. And while I was in Washington, D.C., I literally, and again, I grew up in all these little churches. And I went to this event where there were something like 20,000 teens from all over North America that gathered to pray and to worship and and I, I still remember seeing this room that went as far as the eye could see, filled with young people who wanted to follow Jesus. And it blew my mind. It was something electric about being there. It was like, wow. And I'm telling you, when you gather with people who are moving together on the same mission, trying to honor God, it, it, there, a couple weeks ago we went uh, swimming at my parents' house. They have a little in-ground sport pool, and the deep end is kind of like a round area, kind of like a little you know, kidney-shaped. And all the kids started running in a circle around the deep end, around the edge of the deep end. And they were making a whirlpool. You guys, everyone experienced this? And my kids were like, Dad, come join us. And so I jumped in and so like we're all my brothers and we're all kind of circling around the deep end and there's this great current that's being created. And then I say to the kids, okay, on the count of three, we're all going to turn and go in the other direction. Of course, you know what happens. We turn and the current just carries us. We're crashing into each other, laughing. It's this great experience. But something happens. Emotionally something happens spiritually when a large number of people are moving in a direction. It creates a current Do You know this Which is why as parents we know it's so important who our kids hang out with Because you can say oh, it doesn't matter who I hang out with I have my standards and I have my faith But if you're with 20 other people that are all going in the same direction that current will carry you my friends But in the same way if you get with the right people moving in the right direction It's way less work. I was saw a bunch of Canadian geese on the way to church this morning and they were heading in the wrong direction. I'm like, no, go back. No. And, they were, and they're heading south, but they fly in unison, and the front one breaks the wind, and they carry and lift each other. That is the power of gathered community. So we don't want to ever quit gathering. And I know some of you are watching online, you're like, man, I wish I could be there, but I can't for health reasons. Hey, we're glad you're gathering with us online. We're going, to do, we're going to gather however we can. But gathering is important. And there may be some people over the years, I've been in church a long time, people make the argument They say, I don't don't need to attend church. And honestly, that may be true for some of you. You may say, well, you know what? I've been in church my whole life, and I know things. I don't need Nathan to tell me about the importance of community. I already know that. I know those verses. I could preach the sermon. I don't need to attend church. The interesting thing about that is that most of the people that make this argument, I don't need to ever gather or be part of a large community, are people (laughs) whose faith was grounded and strengthened in the local church. It's like, I don't need the very thing that helped me to get where I am. And there's a huge difference between coming to church to get something and coming to church to give something. And if you, for any moment in time, think, I don't need to come to church because I already know this stuff, well, you should show up and begin to serve and help because someone else does need. And so the gathered community is, is something so important. I've talked too long on this already. So let's, uh, let's move on to the next one. So we've got the gathering, and then next we have connection. Okay, and this is the the next bucket. And I've broken this out into a couple things here on the head and the heart. Encouragement and correction. Friends, we need people in our life who can encourage us. Not just like, hey, good to see you. You look great. But people that know what's going on in our life and be like, hey, I know you're going through a hard time. You can do this. I know what's going on in your life. You did a great job with that. They know specific details. And you can come to church and you can gather with hundreds of people and still be alone. You need connection. You need people in your corner. You need people that are encouraging you, and you need people who are correcting you. Because no matter how smart you are, no matter how much you study the Bible, you will always need someone with a different perspective to encourage you and to correct you. To be like, hey, whoa, whoa, you're getting off track. Let me show you a better way. So we need both of those things, and we need love, and we need relationships. We need people who care about us, people who are praying for us. And so this connection aspect, for many people, you might think small groups, Right? So uh, here at our church, we have things called small groups, life groups, we have starting point, we have, um, we have all different kinds of specific types of groups. And, and that's, yes, that's a, certainly a portion of what we're talking about. We want you to be in community. We want you to be with other people. We want you to build relationships. Here's the truth. You cannot have a deep and meaningful relationship with 100 people. You can't. It's impossible. Right? And social media is kind of messing things up because like friend, 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 friend. Those aren't your friends. Right? Like, 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 thumbs up, thumbs up. It's like, this, this, it, it. friends are people who know you, who know what's going on, who care, who reach out. And we all need a handful of them. Jesus had 12. So 12 a good number. He had three that were even closer than the other nine. And he had a circle of people that he trusted in, he confided in. And you and I need the same thing. So where do you find that? Maybe you'll find those people in a small group. We hope so. But maybe you'll find those people in, an, in another setting. I don't know. But you need people. You need brothers and sisters who have your back, who are moving in the direction of Jesus with you to encourage you, correct you, love you, and support you. Here's a passage in Proverbs 27. I love it. Here's what it says. It says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Do you have people in your life who can sharpen you? And I, I, I've never been a knife, but I'm assuming it's not comfortable being ground down, being sharpened. But when two people are working together, two hard objects rubbing, you can sharpen. And and what, what Proverbs, this particular passage is telling us is that we need people in our lives who will sharpen us. Do you have those people in your life? Because, hey, it's not enough to just come to church. You need people in your life who will sharpen you, who will encourage you. So we need both. Here's the last one. We have engagement. Okay, so we want people to gather, show up to church. We want them to connect in small group, to be in relationship, and lastly, to engage. And again, this is the biggest bucket where the most time is going to be spent, but when we're talking about engagement, we're talking about you personally engaging with your faith on a personal level. Like, you can come to church and you'll learn some stuff, and you can be in a group and have support, but unless you decide to pursue God for yourself, this whole thing doesn't really work. And so under the engage bucket, we have scripture and prayer. You have to be opening up the Bible. You must have a prayer life that goes beyond, like, praying for dinner, right? Right? And then you have character. This is where you begin to say, you know what, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to steal. Nobody sees it, but I'm going to develop my character in the way of Christ. I'm going to be a disciple of Him. Serving in generosity. At some point, you have to make the transition from like, hey, everything's about me, to say I'm going to use my time, my resources to help others. And that's something that happens at a personal level. It's something that that changes inside of you as you grow and engage in your personal faith. Lastly, evangelism. When you begin to actually share the good news of Jesus with the people that are around you. These are personal disciplines. This is where faith becomes personal and real, and we engage with our faith in these ways. Jesus said this, Matthew 6, verses 5 to 6. Here's what he says. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. They love to be in the public. They love to be seen praying. But here's what he says next. That they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But, he says... When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay? Jesus says, hey, I know it's tempting to live your Christian life for everyone to see, because there's a kind of a quick and easy reward. But what about developing your faith and relationship with God in private? When no one is looking, and you pray to God, He hears and rewards you. When no one is looking, and you, you, you stop looking at the thing you shouldn't, and you redirect your eyes to something, when you open up your Bible, when, when you, you give and, and, and nobody sees what you're doing, there your faith is developing at the personal level. And on all these three things that we're talking about, friends, they go hand in hand. They work together as we, as we grow and develop in our faith. So how do we become devoted followers of Jesus? What's that look like? So we we tell people about Jesus, but then how do they grow spiritually? Well, we got all three of these aspects on this triangle. Throw that back up for me one last time. We gather, we connect, we engage. All right? We're we're showing up with God's people. We're moving together on mission. We have people in our life. We have voices. We have encouragement, correction. We have friends, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And then we engage personally. And friends, remember that three-legged stool. We need all three of those your faith will not fully develop with just two. You need all three of them, and you need to be engaging with them on a regular basis. This is our hope for anyone that attends our church, that calls our church home, that they would continue in this, in this way. Well, I want to just come back to our mission statement as I close. Okay? Remember we had our two buckets, evangelism and discipleship. Evangelism is, hey, here's the good news. All are welcome at God's table. Discipleship is like follow us as we become like Jesus in community, in groups, individually, moving and growing in our faith development, right? Development's required and we're working on it. So here's the thing about this though. Over time, the natural gravitational pull of the local church will always be towards discipleship and not evangelism. I've been in church my whole life. And churches that begin trying to reach their community after a decade they stop and they're just focused on programs and learning and teaching and development and so all of the effort and energy begins to move in this direction i've literally seen this happen here in our church when we began we did crazy things guys like i think we were what uh maybe 6 months old as a church we threw a citywide egg hunt with no people and no money we just bought eggs we published to the media we just like we just want to be in the community and let our city know we love them it was crazy it was it was stupid actually it was actually dumb and I remember standing there going, I wonder if anybody show up. And thousands of people started pouring in from the streets. And it was like, what did we do? But we were just passionate. We were just like, we want to tell people about Jesus. We want to, we want to show them we love them. We were just so, like, it was that heart piece. And over time, that heart piece can begin to dwindle. And it's just like, okay, what's our, what's our strategy? What's our program look like? And how do we get people from A to B? And, and, but here's the thing. If we're doing this whole thing right, then what should happen is as we're growing disciples, those disciples should begin to go out to reach those who are... There should be, as we grow in our faith, there should be a desire to share the good news. And it creates a circle. So people are hearing about Jesus. They're coming into the church. And they're beginning to grow in their faith, engaging in community, serving and loving. And then they begin to share that with others who haven't heard this good news. And so again, as a church, instead of being like, oh, we got it together and those people out there, God saved them. No, it's like we're going to go and share this good news and bring them into the church and say, follow us as we follow Jesus. And instead of thinking about it like us and them, good guys and bad guys, it's like us. Jesus, you saved us. And our hearts overwhelmed with gratitude and worship. And we say, how can we share this message with those who have not heard it? How can we share the message with those who are lost? So we have this, this circle. So if we lastly come back up to this little triangle Here's where I want to close. How we gather, how we connect, and how we engage is actually shifting because of coronavirus. Like, let's just be honest. I said earlier, some of you are watching online because that's the only option you have right now, and that's a fantastic option. Please keep gathering with us, and we're going to adapt as we can. Uh, On the connection front, like, normally we have lots of groups and, and those kinds of things and gatherings, and some of those are going to be limited because of numbers and all of that kind of stuff, but The important thing is that we value connection and we continue to look for ways, whether it's an online Zoom call, whether it's a smaller gathering with safety precautions, but we're going to continue to move in these directions. And lastly is engagement. Uh, One of the primary ways that people engaged with our church was through volunteering. And on a Sunday, we would have, well, we had 200 volunteers actively serving within our church uh, before covid And now, of course, many of those positions are kind of on hold while we're waiting for things to change. But there are other opportunities. There are ways. It doesn't even have to be in our church. There are organizations. There are people in your community that you can serve. So we want to make sure that we continue to engage and use the season to develop our faith at the personal level and continue to serve. So I don't know if anything of this has been helpful for you. Um, I really wanted to, to share with you our vision for how we reach people and make disciples and And it really begins with every person doing three things. Anybody know what they are? Gather, connect, engage. Another way to say it would be show up, circle up, and step up. And if each of us is actively doing that, then we will be growing in our faith, which ultimately means the church is growing, which ultimately means we'll be reaching and making disciples. So I hope that makes sense. Let me pray for us as we wrap up with a few announcements. Father, I have no idea... Whether anything I've said this morning made sense or is helpful to anyone, (laughs) that's just true. But Lord, I I see in my mind and in my heart this three-pronged approach to life and faith. And Lord, I I pray that everyone listening to the sound of my voice at home, in the room, would really think through this question of where am I connected and which of these three aspects is missing in my life, because Lord, we need them all. We need to be part of a a bigger community that's on mission. We need people in our corner, and we need to be in someone's corner. And, Lord, we need to be growing in our personal faith, devotion, and character. And so, God, I pray that for every person listening today, that from wherever we are, we take one step forward in this journey. God, that we would move towards a committed life of following you, that we would become disciples, learners of Jesus. And that's my prayer for everyone listening today and everyone who calls this church home. We thank you for all that you have done in these past 10 years and all that is ahead. I I pray that we would be able to do some crazy, radical things in the next decade to reach people far from God and invite them into this journey to become learners and disciples of you. That's my prayer, and that's my hope for us as a community. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. We'll see you next week.